Welcome to the very first episode of Pretty Pitches. I'm Paige Fiker. And I'm Aaliyah Williams. I'm going to have a little helper this time um, on this podcast. So this podcast is a bit of a spinoff from Jersey Girls. But, you know, I had a little bird who said she wanted to help a little bit more. Why did you want to help? Well, to me, I think if I would still... I would still probably, if I didn't want to help, I would still probably not be even talking or doing any of this. I think when I sit out, it it's not as fun as when you get to do it and talk, actually. Yeah, what kind of people do you want to meet? A lot of people, actually. Yeah, do you like talking to athletes or... Normally athletes is what I like to talk to. Yeah. And then maybe coaches mm-hmm. of teams and that's it. Yeah? Probably. What kind of sports do you like? I like softball, soccer, and basketball. Yeah? But you- mostly softball. Yeah. Are you interested in any other sports? Nah, not really. <laughs> Do you think maybe if you meet some people that play other sports, you might be more interested? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. There's a slight chance. What do you hope that you can learn from people that we interview? Um, maybe how to do in competitive of the sports that I like to play. Yeah, like how to get better? Uh-huh, how to get better. How hard it is to play on, like, a competitive level, you think? Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, that's kind of what we're focusing on on this podcast, all about women's sports, women in sports. There's a couple of things that will be different from the Jersey Girls podcast. One, I'm not focusing hyper-local. We're kind of looking at people from all over the place to come on the podcast. Yeah, all over the world. <laughs> all over. And um, all all sorts of different types of backgrounds, different types of sports, of course, the same as Jersey Girls. Um, we are going to maybe have some guest co-host episodes and then just others where we have um, guest interviews like how we did before. But um, yeah, it's going to mostly be me and my little helper sometimes. Yeah, I'll probably be there maybe most of the time a little bit. Yeah, she's a little bit of a budding journalist. She's learning how to ask questions. Yeah, so I won't probably be asking that 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 many questions. Yeah, but she's gonna learn some things. I have things. a couple of questions. We could talk about um, all of the current events, things that are going on in the world of sports and women's sports. Of course, definitely current because that's what we named our team to be. <laughs> yes, yeah, shout out to the KC Current, right? Yes. Yes. If they weren't there then. Our soccer team probably would still be thinking of names that we haven't used in the past. Yeah, it would probably be like the Glitter Unicorns or something like that, huh? Yeah, because that's what we normally, normally do every time we do soccer. I prefer the current over the Glitter Unicorns. Although you would have a very cool mascot. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. A pretty cool mascot. Yeah. Anyways, in this um, podcast, we'll be doing interviews on... We'll probably have some Zoom interviews, and then... So, uh, most of them are in real life, though. Yeah. Like, meeting them in person. And we'll probably... The goal is to record a lot of our episodes at some public coffee shops and 
um, restaurants and things like that so that we can kind of get some local businesses involved as well. So if you hear some background noise, that's just character. We're just recording at different places. Um, This first episode, we recorded actually not like a super local place, Starbucks, cough, cough, (laughs) but... Starbucks at Wichita State. Yes, but, um, you know, it was our first one. We're kind of still getting our um, footing on everything. So if you have any suggestions, any ideas, anybody you want to hear on the podcast, um, please reach out to us. We're on Instagram and Facebook at Pretty Pitches Pod. And um, you can always reach out to me directly on email. You want it to be on the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, if you (laughs) want to be on the podcast, um, please, yeah, reach out to us. You can also reach me on email, uh, page.fikert at gmail.com. And we could consider you. Yes, and (laughs) we can consider you. (laughs) We. Um, I will put our um, social media handles and my email on the show notes so please check that out but without further ado we'll bring you our first episode of pretty bitches so today's guest is a registered dietitian nutritionist the owner of flexible nutrition where they do consulting with local businesses actually local schools as well student health services at wichita state Butler Community College women's soccer team, and um, also a former uh, babysitting client of mine <laughs> from a many, many, many years ago. Welcome, Maddie Osborne. Hey, that's for you. Thank you for being here. Yeah, I'm excited um, to be here. Yeah. So, okay. So, tell me, tell me a little bit more about, I guess, what you do with like the consulting with Wichita State Student Health Services and Butler Community College women's soccer team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so as a dietitian, you know, we're the experts in nutrition. And so at the Student Health Center with WSU, I get to work one-on-one with students, actually, which is really fun. So for a variety of things, it could be, you know, they actually have some chronic health conditions or they just want to figure out how to eat more healthfully. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a big transition period for them. A lot of them, you know, going from high school to an actual college or they're moving away from home. And so that can be really tough. So you know, things like that, maybe um, disordered eating behaviors, unintentional weight loss, those types of things. So that's kind of what we do with WSU. And then for Butler Community College, I'm kind of their soccer nutrition coach, is what they call me. So, um, and I think that's probably one of my, like, biggest passions too is working with athletes and so with them it's a lot of like group education and then actual like live they've taken me to New York for some of their traveling trips yeah like for their season and so like I've got to coordinate like all their meals and snacks and helping them stay hydrated while they're doing that but it is a lot of that education piece so doing presentations with them I get to work with them to do like culinary things so helping them figure out how to cook in like even the dorms, you know, oh, how do they yes. figure out the nutrition in the dorms, right? Girl, like it was Chef Boardy all day for me. When oh I was in my gosh! <laughs> yeah, so it's just a lot of that like education piece with them, and so um, that's what we do when we consult with businesses like that. Yeah. And the other portion of what we do too is we actually see people in the community one on one for medical nutrition therapy as well. So like just cool. through flexible nutrition. So so it's a lot more than just like eat this, not that type. Stuff. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. If it was yeah. that easy, right. people wouldn't need a dietitian, right? <laughs> exactly. So, okay. I have so many questions because yeah. 
Like nutrition for me, like personally for me is difficult. Um, I've listened to a lot of podcasts about it. I'm a big, like, I'm really interested in just like all the thoughts behind it. So I guess my first question with that is like, what's the biggest misconception? Like general misconception when it comes to like dieting or like mm. just, just your, just a diet, not necessarily like, you know, the keto diet, like just like a normal everyday diet and then, uh, or eating healthy, healthy lifestyle, I guess. Um, both for just like a normal person and then for an athlete? Mm. So that's a great question. So I think that maybe for like the normal person or just kind of overarching, one of the biggest misconceptions that I hear and see is just eat less and work out more. Yes. Right? Like, I hate that. And, you know, we just don't see that flesh out in the research or even one-on-one work with clients. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just not, there's just so much more to our bodies. You yes. know, when we think about the complexity of bodies, right? It takes mm-hmm. so much time, effort, and education to become a doctor, yes. right? Like, yes. that's for a reason because our bodies are super complex. And so it's not just the simple equation, right, that culture tries to tell us it is. And the other thing to think about, too, is that we don't make eating choices in a vacuum, right? Like, we have social situations, we're in different environments, like, we may be stressed at one meal or might be calm at a meal. And so you also have to think about those things, even, like, food access, too, right? And so. You know, there's just so much more to it than that. And so I think that that's probably one of the main things when it comes to, like, just, like, the general population. Oh, gosh, with athletes. I don't even know if there's, like, one big one right. that I can even, like, say. I think it's just such a huge spectrum. But maybe yeah. some of the, like, the big one that I'm kind of fighting right now is the low-carb yes. um, idea. I have so many clients that come to me, so many athletes that are drastically under-eating carbohydrates. And that's because our our popular culture is telling us to eat low carb, right? Yes. Like that's just what it is yeah, now. Carbs are bad. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so I feel like I take a lot of time in sessions really working with patients, um, these athletes to help really educate them about how carbohydrates are, are like our body's most efficient and best source of fuel. Yeah. And this is going to make you feel better with your workouts. Yeah. So I would say that's probably one of the biggest things oh, I'm fighting right now. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. I've, I've struggled with that myself because I... Um, I have been vegetarian for most of my life mm-hmm. and wanted to go back to it, but it was the same thing. I was like, oh, I just eat too many carbs. I don't get enough like lean protein and stuff like that. So I think, yeah, that's a really hard one, mm-hmm. um, which is another reason why I kind of love that you do um, the consulting at the Student Health Services yeah. because I really feel, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I really feel like nutrition it's it's way deeper than just like we all make it seem like yeah eat this not that type mm-hmm. of thing but it's really it's like a mental thing it's yeah. like more than just you know oh, I shouldn't have had a donut this morning like it's so much yeah. bigger than that so how do you kind of attack that I know you mentioned education how do you kind of attack like rewiring people's brains to like be more open to the idea mm. of actual nutrition yeah yeah like outside of some of the misconceptions yeah yeah just kind of like yeah or like when you're when you're trying to give advice or educating people kind of where do you start with that because Mm. a lot of people's thoughts are just all over the place when it comes to nutrition yeah I feel like you know we really start with me just trying to get to know the patient you know hearing about their past history with their eating 
and their relationship with food, yeah. relationship with their body. And, you know, we, what we usually find or under, uncover is that they've tried, you know, multiple things. They've yeah. tried just like counting calories or they've tried, you know, the low carb, even low fat, you know, they just mm-hmm. tried these other things and they keep saying it doesn't work for me. So I'm coming to you yeah. to find something that works for me. Yeah. And so tell me the answer. Exactly. Yeah. And so I feel like we really start there of kind of unpacking, like, why are these things not working? Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. We're going through and we're talking about why it's not working. And so I really help them uncover, like, it's not them that's wrong. It's the diets that are wrong. Yeah. Like, seeing how time and time again, you're not able to stick to it because our bodies aren't made to stick to these regimented, you know, experiences. Like, we were talking about how nutrition is more than just, like, you know, eat less and move more yeah. there's just so many more things going on and so I kind of we start from that place of seeing how it's the diets that are failing them mm-hmm. and we need to find a different way to approach our eating which is um, where I usually bring in um, intuitive eating if you guys have heard of that oh no, explain that to me oh my gosh um, yeah. so this was actually created by two dietitians okay. um, over two decades ago I believe and it could be even longer than that their names are um, Elise Resch and Evelyn Tripoli and so it's essentially this way of eating where it encompasses, you know, your instinctual part of your brain, the rational part of your brain, and then the emotional part. And so it's helping you to come from a place with your eating where you are the one making the decisions. You're tuning into your own body and that is helping you to make your nutrition decisions versus only external factors, yeah. right? When that's what we see with a lot of diets. And so um, that's kind of some of the foundation of intuitive eating. They have 10 principles um, that go into it, but that's kind of a, just a quick little basis yeah. of what that is. So That's cool. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, I have to look into that. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I have found personally, mm-hmm. you know, I played soccer in college for a couple of years. I played sports all growing up. I know that you mentioned you also did. Mm-hmm. Um, going from, especially you were a Juco girl, so oh, yeah. you know how it is. You're coming to school in August. You're practicing two or three times a day preseason. You get into season. You're like, like back then, I would say, I would just practice, eat, sleep, get yep. up, and go practice yep. again. Oh, you yeah. know? Going from that life to a life where you're just – like regular exercise you know mm. daily exercise that can be a big change oh yeah and it's I think it's like especially with like eating as well mm-hmm. like what's your advice for people going from you know college or high school athlete or you know club even club athletes like just a non-athlete life you mm-hmm. know when it comes to eating yeah oh gosh I would say one of the first things is probably just you giving yourself grace yeah you know it's a that's a big time, and I feel like for a lot of athletes, you know, it, it can really play into your mental health as well, yeah, right? For sure. Because you have this identity sometimes wrapped up in the sport, and then all of a sudden you're not doing it anymore. Yes. And so my first thing I would say is to give yourself grace. Um, you know, it's going to take some time maybe to change your way of eating. You know, mm-hmm. like a lot of us, you know, we could eat, you know, this huge bowl of pasta and breadsticks, yeah. you know, whatever, and like that was what our body needed. And then when we're not doing as much, then maybe our body doesn't need all of that at once, right? But so I would really recommend for a lot of those patients or those people is trying to eat regularly, right? Like Mm -hmm. we want to make sure we're eating regularly so that we're not going huge periods of time in between eating, um, which can cause some of those overeating 
um, times, but really just giving yourself grace, trying to have a normal eating schedule. And then that's where intuitive eating comes into play too. One of the principles is feel your fullness. And so being able to, you know, kind of stop and slow down with your eating and um, using your body's signals to tell you when you're full um, versus some of that distracted eating that we're used to nowadays. So um, those would be probably some of the top yeah. top things that I would start with for someone okay. like that. Yeah, I need to practice that. <laughs> Especially like social situations, you yeah. know, that's the worst. I was just talking to my sister about that, like going out to eat mm-hmm. and you order a salad and it's not for like three meals mm-hmm. and you have all this food in front of you you're like, what am I going to even do with that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's so hard. Yeah. To, I don't know. It's hard to find Yeah, that. it is hard. Yeah. Um, so you focus on your two big areas are sports or athletic mm-hmm. uh, athletes I guess Mm -hmm. and eating disorders right Mm -hmm. okay so so starting with like the sports side of things yeah what um so you kind of mentioned moving out of being an athlete what about for athletes like what's kind of some of the key things that athletes I mean you mentioned carbs and stuff but key things that athletes need to keep in mind or maybe even parents of athletes need to keep in mind when it comes to their Mm. eating habits yeah oh gosh I would say First, it's so, so important that athletes are getting nutritional adequacy. So meeting your energy needs to match what you're doing with sports. That's definitely the biggest thing. Yeah, I would say that's kind of the main foundation Mm -hmm. because we can't do anything else until we start with that. Um, and so I would say the big thing is making sure that you're getting enough overall to eat. Okay. And so one of the ways that you can do that is really trying to eat pretty regularly. I usually recommend for any athlete, whether it's a younger athlete or you know college athlete, is trying to eat at least within a window of about three hours, honestly. Okay. okay. Yeah, That's like cool. three to four hours or something like that. Four is maybe a little bit pushing it, but yeah. you know, eating regularly because it can be hard to get everything that you need in two meals even Mm -hmm. or even just three meals Mm -hmm. right like i have a lot of athletes where you know they're having three meals and three snacks like that's just what they need to be able to get you know their nutrition adequacy in and so you know starting from that place making sure that you're eating pretty frequently and then at your meals, you know, really trying to make sure that that plate has got all of those essential essential um, nutrients on it. Yeah. So, you know, we want carbohydrates, we want protein, we want fats, um, fiber if we can, you know, color from fruits and vegetables. Yes. We want to make sure we're having something to drink with our meals too. Mm-hmm. I think, oh my gosh, hydration is such a huge thing oh, for- I suck at it too. Uh, yeah. Hard. It is, yeah. So trying to make sure you've got you know, some sort of fluid mm-hmm. um, next to you with your meals can really kind of help with that hydration piece too. But yeah, so trying to make sure that you've got those essential nutrients on your plates too. Okay, cool, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, you mentioned that you just went to New York with yeah. Butler Community College. Oh my gosh, that was so cool. I watched your video. I was like, this is amazing. This sounds like such a cool career. Yeah. Um, so... What, um, that's a big one, traveling, mm-hmm. um, both from like just an athlete perspective and just like someone that's not an athlete. Like I mm-hmm. think traveling just screws up everything Yeah, and I get it too from like, I'm, I'm actually really happy to see Butler doing like partnering with you mm-hmm. on that um, because I remember when I was going, you know, it would be like Subway or like a Mexican restaurant and you're just like, 
And now I have to go play after eating a plate of refried beans. <laughs> like, that's yeah. what I have to do? Okay. So, yep. in the traveling realm, like, what are some key things that we can do, uh, whether we're traveling for sport or mm. fun, um, to, to maintain our nutrition when we're, like, on the road? Yeah, yeah. So, definitely packing snacks. Yes. Ooh, Making sure, yes, plan ahead, pack your snacks, even... You know, a lot of athletes, it's really important also that you're packing some sort of like extra hydration. So even electrolytes, oh, you know, yes. because yeah. when we think about hydration, you know, those needs increase with altitude changes, temperature changes. Sure, yeah. And so a lot of times when you're traveling, you're probably hitting one of those things, yeah. right? And so first off, you know, making sure you've got those snacks and then something that you can do to help with hydration. And so um, when we think about snacks too with traveling, I really try and encourage athletes to try and make sure you have snacks that are energy dense and filling, right? Mm -hmm. So, and then of course things that are easy to pack. Yeah, yeah, So, you know, things like trail mix. So a variety Mm -hmm. of nuts and seeds, dried fruits. It could be peanut butter or cheese crackers. You Mm -hmm. could, you know, make your own little peanut butter sandwiches. You know, so things that are really gonna help you continue to meet your energy needs and that things that you can help snack with, it'll also kind of keep you full as well. Yeah. You know, and that are easy to bring. You know, it could even be like bananas, apples. So trying to make sure you're planning ahead, bringing those snacks. And then when it comes to hydration piece, um, a lot of times you can get things in those powdered forms now, which mm-hmm. are really cool. And so I know this was pretty important for us because we were flying. And so, yes, you know, we couldn't yeah. just, you know, bring a whole bunch of like Gatorades or right, Powerades, yeah. right? We have to get through security. And so um, I had the athletes, you know, bring like liquid IV powders or mm-hmm. Gatorade powders. They have those now. And I think Powerade does too. Yeah. And so having those can help them to stay hydrated. Um you know, especially when a lot of them are trying to drink a whole lot because they don't want to have to use the bathroom right, while they're traveling. Yeah, and so yeah. having some of those extra drinks with some of the, you know, the electrolytes and even maybe some carbohydrate actually mm-hmm. helps to retain some of that fluid too. So you're able to keep yourself hydrated but not have to go to the bathroom yeah. as much. So nice. okay. I would say definitely planning ahead with that. So making sure you've got snacks and things for hydration. And then the other big thing when you're on the road too that I also encourage my athletes is to be okay with what is accessible for you. Mm -hmm. You know, depending on the school that you're at or just like the route that you're going, you may not have a whole lot of options. And so I say work with what you have. You know, your body, the main thing, if you think about that foundation, it's nutritional adequacy. Yes. And so let's say all that you have is a McDonald's. Mm -hmm. Okay. What can we do? So what I like to recommend is if you are going to be eating something and you guys are out traveling, you're stopping somewhere, and this is your only option, is to try and focus on how you can try and decrease the total fat content of the meal. Try to see if you can avoid anything that's super fried or greasy as best you can. So it's not going to always be possible, like at a McDonald's, right? But you could have some options, like maybe you have the chicken sandwich with a smoothie. You know, maybe you opt out for the fries, you know? So this is something that 
would be recommended like before you have a game the next couple hours, okay, right? Yeah, like yeah. you mentioned, like the Mexican right. restaurant, right? With the <laughs> right. Beans, like there's only so much you can do, but exactly. you can try and you know decrease some of those things as best you can. Maybe opt out some things, but yeah. then after a game, or you know you're not going to be playing for you know until the next day. I say get what you want, get what you know you're going to eat and like. Mm-hmm. Um, your body can handle it; it's going to be okay. Um, and so, kind of coming from that angle when we think about you know, eating outside or when yeah. you're traveling too. Okay, so. cool. Yeah, that's good. That's really good advice. Mm-hmm. Calories. Mm-hmm. I was just listening to a podcast. Love yeah. podcasts. Okay. It's a Bloomberg podcast called Losing It. I don't know if you've listened to it, but I have it. Love it. I love it. Yeah. Okay. You should check it out. Um, her first episode is all about calories. And I will admit that I have fallen victim victim to like you know, just chatter on like different diets and stuff like that. I'm not a huge like diet person personally, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, or like regimented diet person personally, but like I've definitely fallen into like reading about it, learning about it. Mm-hmm. She mentions like calories and how like you can look at something and it will say 100 calories. One, it's questionable always, you yeah. know, <laughs> and then two, how different calories are and how they're different for people's bodies. Like 100 mm-hmm. calories to me might be. 80 calories to you or something Mm -hmm. if we're eating the same thing and just different things like that talk a little bit about like calories and Mm -hmm. is is that a good measure um Mm -hmm. when we're talking about like nutritional adequacy like you said or is it not as good as what society tells us it is Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh gosh yeah I think you know I think on one side it can be helpful when we come at it from maybe even like a baseline or a mm-hmm. range perspective. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right? Like, so it can be helpful in that way, but I think that when it becomes problematic is when it is that super regimented, like, I can only eat this much. Exactly. That kills yeah. me. I hate the calorie counting. Mm-hmm. Hate it. Yes. The worst. Yeah. And, you know, the one of the biggest things that go into that and something that I find helps my athletes and just my other clients that I work with is talking about all of the different components that go into our energy needs, yes. right? So we start with the our basal metabolic rate, which is just the energy we need to keep our bodies alive. Mm-hmm. So our heart pumping, um, to fuel our brain, make tissues, um, our bones, you know, all of those processes yeah. take a lot of energy. That's like the majority of the energy that we expend. That's awesome. And so that's kind of the first place that we start. And then the next place is what we call... Um, food thermogenesis, which is just the digestion of your food, right? Like it actually takes energy to even digest your food. Um, And so that's kind of the next step there. And then we have what we call non-activity energy expenditure, which is just the energy your body needs to like get out of bed in the morning, brush your teeth, Mm -hmm. walk across the room, you know, tap your foot. You know, it actually takes energy to do those things too, right? And so then the next step is our... um, planned energy expenditure which could be a variety of things could be like going out for a jog it could be your training session and so if you put all those together you see wow that can drastically change from day to day for sure yeah Yeah. and so when we stick to a certain calorie number 
it's no wonder that some days we're way hungrier than others. Or maybe even yeah. some days we're less hungry than others. And so when we're forcing our bodies to stick to this certain number when it's not made to do that, yes. that's when, yeah, it can become super problematic. And that's why, you know, depending on the athlete and the situation or the client where ranges of calories, like, yeah, that may be helpful. Or like saying, like, this is kind of like a baseline to start yeah. off with. But allowing ourselves to deviate and listen to our bodies is really important because, you know, as a dietitian, I have, you know, some basic calculations that I can do, you know, that helps with ranges and, you know, that's great. Right. But our bodies are so complex and they change. And like, I can't put you in a chamber to measure your exact energy (laughs) expenditure. That's just not reasonable. And so that's why it's really important to, you know, really take calorie numbers with a grain of salt. And I think too, you know, another big thing that I see is these apps Mm -hmm. that athletes are using to uh, estimate their energy expenditure. And they're almost always way too drastically low. Really? Yes. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. So I really, really try and encourage, especially athletes, um, regardless of their age, to really stray away from those types of things. That's good to know because, like I said, like the calorie counting thing, it has been the death of me before mm-hmm. and I'm sure there's people like me out there I'm one of those people that's like okay you know if I say I'm gonna do x if I don't do x exactly like what mm. I say then I'm gonna beat myself up over it yeah. so if I say I'm gonna eat 1800 calories a day and I eat 1900 calories then it's like terrible you know and it's just like yeah. that's really like not fair to myself yeah. you know absolutely so i made it a goal to stop doing that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. And that's yeah. hard. That's really so hard to hard. do. Yeah. Because our culture is constantly screaming at us. Yes. That this is what you're supposed to do. Yeah. You yeah. know? Exactly. So. Yeah, I mean, and like really you said, hard. it's like a lot of times when you like, I, I don't know, like look at stuff like that. Even like health, not even just like, you know, working out or, you know, trying to lose weight or anything mm-hmm. like that. You Like a lot of times, like that's the focus. Like mm-hmm. eat fewer calories. Like you're not going yeah. to... I don't know, do X, Y, and Z what you want to do unless you eat fewer calories. Yeah. And it's just like, ah. So I'm glad that you said that because mm-hmm. I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> I hate <Yep>. that measure. <laughs> on that topic kind of too, so you, um, yeah. both eating disorders and sports. Mm-hmm. So on like mm-hmm. maybe kind of eating disorder or really just like general mental mm-hmm. thought, our thoughts and feelings around like nutrition, um, diet culture. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> what are your thoughts there? Oh my gosh. What are my thoughts? What's such a loaded question? <laughs> Please, we've got time. Oh, Go for gosh. it. <laughs> I think it can really it can really negatively impact a lot of people. Yeah. Um, especially because diet culture is set up to fail. Yes. If we think about the diet industry itself, it is a billion industry for a reason because they keep you coming back because it's not something that is long-term or sustainable you know we see in the research that you know approximately maybe 95 to 98 percent of people that go on a diet whatever that looks like are going to regain weight if not more within the next three to five years and so this is why they're so such huge money makers yeah. is because people are constantly going back or trying something different, thinking that they're the reason that things went wrong mm-hmm. um, or that they can't lose weight. But actually, it's the diets themselves because um, our body just actively fights against it. Yeah. You know? And so I think that even just from like a 
even from a weight standpoint, right? That, mm-hmm. That's negatively affecting us too. Yeah. Um, because if we're having people that are constantly, you know, going up and down their weights, like that's not great for health no. either, right? Yeah. And so, but then also from like the mental side of things and like eating disorders, you know, it's no wonder we're seeing huge increases in rates of disordered eating mm-hmm. and diagnosed eating disorders. You know, of course the pandemic, I think played a huge role oh, in it too, sure. but yeah. you know, a lot of the patients that are coming to me, when we talk about, you know, when did these things start? Like what was happening? What was going on? And a lot of it is, you know, I went on a diet mm-hmm. or I saw myself lose weight and I got complimented for it. Mm-hmm. And so then oh, I thought that one hits me. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And that is, you know, it's really hard mm-hmm. when, you know, it, and a lot of people, you know, you don't even know necessarily how they lost that weight sometimes right like we just don't know and so that can really you know depending on the person their genetics their environment that can send somebody down a spiral and so that's my other big fight with diet culture Mm -hmm. is that it's really negatively impacting people um both from like you know weight cycling standpoints but then also of course that mental and emotional part of it yeah for sure and like weight in itself like is that in your opinion, a great measure for mm. health and nutrition? That's a great question, <laughs> and my answer is no. Yes, good, <laughs> thank you. Definitely not. <laughs> no, I think that I like to tell patients and others that I see weight as a vital sign. Mm-hmm. It's a vital sign, right? So not something that we can actively 100% control. Yeah. We just can't. We can't actively control our weight as much as culture tells us we can. Yes. A large part of that is actually genetically determined. And so when we think of health, I like to think of it starting with weight as a vital sign. Like okay. it's still something that we look at yeah. and that, you know, the biggest thing with weight when it comes to health is are we gaining a lot of weight? Are we losing a lot of weight? Mm -hmm. Like those are really the things that where it's like, oh, like, okay, maybe we can start looking at that and seeing what's going on Mm -hmm. versus the number itself, right? Um, But when we think about other health factors, we have to think outside of just weight. We've got to think about, you know, our mental and emotional state, our spiritual health, our relational health, um, our physical health in other ways. So like, do we have energy? How is our skin, Um, our nails, you know? You know, even gut health too. You know, that's another that's another big thing oh, yeah. that's, <laughs> that's happening too. Right so now. you know, there's just all these other, you know, things that we got to think about when it comes to health. We have to, you know, we can't mistake the trees for the forest, or I think that's yeah. what it is, yeah. <laughs> something like that. Forest for the trees, something like yeah. that. So we can't be narrow-minded in our thinking, yeah, um, because that's when we can get in a lot of trouble. Yeah, that's wild. That's really great. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah, and it's hard. It's way easier said yes. than done right like oh, that really. is a huge process so yeah. like yeah yeah it, it it takes time when you've been steeped in something for so long and when like that's what culture is constantly telling us yeah it is not easy like you can't just like flip a switch right yeah, like right. it takes constant time to like reframe your thoughts so. yeah yeah no I I totally agree and I think like the education piece like what you're mm-hmm. saying and like even the providing what you've provided like this has been great like it's it is so important because, you know, like I said, I mentioned that podcast. Mm-hmm. I never even thought about some of that stuff until I started yeah. listening to the podcast. And I was like, oh, you know what? You're right. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I have had these thoughts about things or she's kind of calling out like she was talking about the um, South Beach diet and how oh, it yeah. was like a, a also like the guy that started is like a millionaire and just like doesn't even 
I don't think follow it anymore or anything. Yeah. And um, like she talks about that and I'm like, you know, you kind of have a point because I've always said like, how can you trust one person? Mm -hmm. You know, if there's 5,000 diets out there, how can you trust that like keto is the right one? Right. Like you can't really, right? Like right. it might work for this person, but that doesn't mean it's your right one. So. Mm -hmm. I love just like knowing that because I, it, it takes a lot for most people, I think. Um, in this environment that we live in, it's so weight focused. And, yeah. And there's a lot of shame behind it. Mm -hmm. um, I guess that's a good question. Like when you have people, um, like I know there's so much balance that you mm -hmm. can have with diet and nutrition. Mm -hmm. When you slip up or if you eat something that maybe isn't the healthiest one day, like you just have you just have to get a root beer float. That's my that's my comfort right there. Mm -hmm. Root beer float. I love that. That's yes, great. I love it. It's it's very old school. Uh -huh. Um, like how how do you get over that instead of just shaming yourself? Like I've seen that before, where it's like, well, like you said, it's like eat less. Well, that's your control, right? Mm -hmm. You have the control to eat less, but just because you had one root beer float doesn't mean it's the end of the world, mm -hmm. and you're gaining a hundred pounds for it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, what would you talk to somebody like talk somebody through that? Yeah, you actually, I love the last of what you just said because when I have someone you know sitting in my office and we're talking through that mm -hmm. we really try and reframe those thoughts okay and yeah. it comes from a place of what we call like cognitive flexibility and so what you just did there was great you know you yeah. started with you know I'm having this root beer float and I think I'm gonna gain all this weight yeah but wait no that's not actually how it works exactly right yeah. so like exactly what you're just saying of taking whatever that negative thought is and replacing it with something that is reasonable that's mm -hmm. plausible and that's positive right okay, cool. and so you know taking that as an example we can say okay i'm having this rubier flow and i'm just know that i'm going to gain 10 pounds afterwards. Yeah. and so something we can reframe that to could be something like i'm having this rubier float and i know that there's no way, like it's impossible for me yeah. to just gain 10 pounds from having root beer float, right? Yeah. Um, the other thing that we can reframe this to is I had a tough day yeah, and I'm not a nutrition robot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so my body can handle it. Like my body can handle this yeah. root beer float. Like it's going to be fine. I'll be able to move on from it, right? Yeah. And then the next thing could be, you know, there's a lot worse things in this world than even just gaining 10 pounds, yeah, right? Like, yeah. even though I know that's not true, like, would that be the absolute worst thing in the world? Yeah, no. exactly. You know, and so really just trying to, that's a lot of what we do together, is really trying to reframe those thoughts. Yeah. Try to instead turn it to something positive and saying that to ourselves. And a lot of my patients, they really benefit from like, writing things down, yeah. you know, like maybe even on a post-it note or something like that. And sometimes that can be really helpful. But, you know, even going back to that nutrition robot piece too, yeah. I love, I love using that as an example of just like really helping people to get out of this mindset of, you know, food and their food choices should just be about nutrition. Yes. You know, and when we think about it, like we are not robots that only eat for nutrition. Yeah. We are so multidimensional. And so it's okay that our you know, our food choices don't just rely on like, oh, is this the most nutritious thing yes. for me? Yeah. You know? So, and you know, we actually get um, nutrients from any food that we eat. Oh, that's awesome. Literally any food. So it's going to be different based yeah. on the food, but we will still get something from it. Yeah. So. Ah, love that. Mm -hmm. You're really like, 
kind of like you know medical you know you have their medical background and then also like a therapist <laughs> like at the oh same my time. gosh yes I kind of love it yeah do you I like, like that like balance I, I do yeah. yeah because and you know a lot of what I do with patients is more of the like we talk a lot about behaviors yeah you know like I'm definitely not a licensed therapist and there's definitely like boundaries that yeah. we can't cross of course but when we think about food it is so behavior based and you yeah. know a lot of people they know a lot. Like, I have people that come to my office, and they know a lot about nutrition already. Yeah. You know, it's not that they don't know, necessarily. I mean, there's sometimes where people just don't know. Yeah. And that's yeah. okay. But, you know, we don't have a... We have Google now. Yeah. It's not like people are just having to go to encyclopedias and try right. and find this stuff, right? Like, we've got Google. And so people know a lot about nutrition, and they, you know, they know about their bodies. But it's how do we get from a place of what we have in our head actually making a decision like yeah. actually making the behavior and that is where the dietitian comes in a lot of times is we help build that bridge you mm-hmm. know like we've got knowledge on one side of the hill and we've got the actual behaviors like yeah. making the choices day to day and how do we make those choices on the way other side of the hill and there's a huge ravine right in between yeah. right this yeah. rolling river and we can't just jump over it we've got to have someone or something to help us and so that's where the dietitian comes in is to build that bridge i love um, that yeah. to get to those behaviors and a lot of that is a little bit more that's why they call it nutrition therapy medical yeah. nutrition therapy so I love that that's so cool no mm-hmm. I'm sure it's really hard to like unlearn a lot of habits or like yes. thoughts I guess like thoughts and yeah. feelings and stuff that's so hard mm-hmm. um so eating disorders is another area that you are mm-hmm. kind of like specialize in yeah um yeah. what that's an area I don't know a lot about I what at what point is like somebody's diet or nutrition considered disordered mm-hmm yeah that's a great question <laughs> yeah so there is you know of course actual diagnoses in what they call the um, DSM-5 and that's something that so we as dietitians don't actually diagnose those things okay it's actually either a doctor or a licensed therapist who does that okay. and so there are times where like you know, the eating behaviors do actually match up with those, you know, actual diagnoses. Okay. But the way that I like to look at it now is if I have somebody coming to me and their eating behaviors are negatively impacting them yeah, in any way where it is, you know, impacting their quality of life, then that to me is really all that I'm focused on. Yeah. You know, it it doesn't really necessarily matter to me exactly what their diagnoses are because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that don't fit into these nice little boxes when it comes to, you know, some of this disordered eating and their choices. And so, um, it, it really just depends. And I, I really feel like it's kind of like overarching. If you think about when it becomes like an eating disorder, I like to look at it as if what you're doing is negatively impacting your life, you're impacting your quality of life and it's around food and you're eating you know relationship with food then that's enough for me to say something's wrong and yeah. I'd love to help okay cool yeah no that mm-hmm. makes total sense yeah mm-hmm. yeah and I I don't know like I definitely feel like that comes in waves sometimes too I mm-hmm. like that our culture is kind of moving a little bit more into this like more body positive accepting like yeah. realm uh, I'm sure that helps a little bit in that, mm-hmm. but I know that like disordered eating is so much more complex than that. Mm-hmm. So I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, so have you seen those like memes that are like, um, 
when you when you need a snack, but the healthy version of you went grocery shopping this week. Have you ever seen oh, that? Oh yeah, <laughs> like in the kitchen, like looking for sugar, and it's like bananas. And yeah. Stuff. Um. What? What? I feel that. Like uh-huh. literally, almost every week, I feel that. It's usually by like Sundays or yeah. Saturdays that I'm like, oh my gosh, all I want right now is like I don't know some sugar, right? Mm-hmm. What what would be your recommendation when you're like trying to set up like a balanced nutrition? You mm. know, there's gonna be times like maybe this is a tough week. Like, what would you do? What would you do if you're gonna go grocery shopping and you're trying to like plan for that? <laughs> or do you oh, plan like a for really that? tough week? Yeah. Oh gosh, yeah. Um, I think it's really important when you are doing any kind of meal planning or yeah. prepping, whatever that looks like, to consider your week. Like. Don't try and plan for yourself meals that are going to take a lot from you when you do not have the time for it. Love that, yes. Yeah. So I, you know, as a business owner, um, I'm not a mom yet, so I don't, I feel like I'm going to come back and hear this and be like, I had so much time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But right now I feel like I don't have that much time. And so like, I feel like I'm like the queen of quick, you know, nutritious meals and plan. Like that, I, I just have to like, that's how my life has been for a little while now. And so my biggest thing is trying to help people understand that you do not have to prepare everything from scratch. Mm -hmm. And just because it's fresh doesn't mean those are the only things that are helpful for you or nutrient dense. Like you can get, you know, just as quality, good nutrition from some of those more processed foods yeah. um, that are just so much easier and quicker so to make, easy, right? Yes. So like frozen vegetables, you just pop those bad boys in the microwave. Yes. You know, okay, they don't taste as, as great sometimes mm-hmm. if you don't, you know, saute them and put them in the oven or whatever, but it's still a way that you can get some things like that, Yeah. you know? So, you know, frozen vegetables, um, some of those like prepackaged like rice, Yeah. Um, you know, pouches yeah. that you can literally just pop into the microwave for 90 seconds, so the nice. cups. Yeah. Oh, so, so easy. Um, you know, maybe even getting some like pre-sliced veggies if you yeah. can. Although I feel like for me, I'm like, oh, that's like the bougie food. Yeah. You, know, if you can afford pre-sliced. <laughs> but if that helps save you time, you, know, yeah. you just kind of, you know, think about it in that realm. So like allowing yourself to still use some of those what we call processed foods. Mm-hmm. Um that can just make life so, so much easier for you. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of different options out there, like those packaged rice things, you know, canned meats, canned yeah. beans, um, those pre-sliced vegetables. I'm trying to think of other options out there. Maybe, like, they even have some where, like, you pop, uh, like, noodles in, yes. you know, the microwave for, like, 90 seconds. My daughter there they go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. So, oh, and that, like, you know, mac and cheese. Mm-hmm. That is another, like, Thing where you can actually make that, you know, more nutrient dense and more well-rounded. Yeah. Think about it. You know, we start with a carbohydrate with a mac and cheese, the noodles. Yeah. And then let's just say we add maybe some frozen broccoli yeah. to it. And then we cut up some chicken sausage or something. You know, that's also super easy and quick to make. Yeah. Boom. You've got a well-rounded meal. You've got carbohydrate, protein. You've got some fats with like the cheese and yeah. the sausage. And then you've got color veggies with the broccoli. Boom. That's awesome. So don't make it too complicated. If you try and just get, you know, the different aspects of your balanced meals as best you can, yeah. using some of those processed foods, you're good to go. I so love that. don't be afraid yeah. of those. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's your, um, not to backtrack too much, but what's no, like your favorite, most creative dorm meal that you have either taught 
or heard one of your players tell you that they've made? Oh my gosh, <laughs> that is such a good question. I feel like, I don't know how I didn't know this, but you can make eggs in the microwave. Oh, like they just, yeah. I, they told me they put it in a mug. You can put it in a mug. Yeah. And you, just you like cook it in the microwave and you got an egg. Oh, that's nice. Which, like, makes, I mean, you just got to keep it up, yeah. right? <laughs> makes but, sense, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I was like, man, I wish that I would have known that Seriously. I could have done that. Game changer. Yeah. So, I feel like that's probably one of my more, like, just, like, oh, my gosh moments. Yeah. Like, super creative in the dorms. And I feel like nowadays, too, there's a lot more options for people. I don't know. Yes. Maybe I just, like, didn't think about it or yeah. I didn't know I was super ignorant but you know think about all those like little oatmeal cups oh yeah the Kodak cake oh yeah you know, yeah cups like there's just so many different things that yeah. you can just like pop in the microwave now oh, yeah. and it's good to go so yeah even like you said like the the pasta you can microwave and stuff like that mm-hmm. was not around when I was like in Juco I mean yeah. I wish yeah. I just did like a lot of ramen noodles and like yeah. Chef Lardy a ton <laughs> and yeah. cereal yeah yeah but like yeah like even the eggs like that would have been so great before practice mm-hmm. you know you have those morning three a days two a days whatever it's crazy yeah, yeah that'd be exactly. awesome um, what, what is like some of your goals for your company moving forward? Oh man, that's a good question. So I just actually hired on two consulting dietitians, awesome. two excellent dietitians. That was one of my big goals for this year was to start getting more dietitians in the mm-hmm. practice so that I could kind of focus on some of my more like main passions. Um, so really just trying to get to a place where those dietitians, you know, are, are more full time, you know, they're really full in their schedule. So I would say trying to, to get them to a place where they have, you know, more patients and they're, they're really at a place where, um, you know, they're able to say like, no, like I need to, you know, pass this along to someone else or, you know, whatever we, so I would say trying to really fill up that part of my practice. Now the, the other part of it, I would say is I would really like to see flexible nutrition in more athletic spaces in the community. You know, um, like I know since I've been in the student health center, I know that WSU does not have a dietitian for the athletics department. Mm -hmm. And so I'm hoping that at some point maybe that could be, you know, something that we do as flexible nutrition or even, you know, other places like Friends University. Um, You know, I'm not sure what that looks like for them, but, you know, just other other places and I'd really love to have more of the time to get involved with other like more community based athletic you know departments so like you know club soccer which you're probably yeah probably involved in so yeah so more of those things I'd really just like to see us in more of those athletic spaces getting in front of more um more kiddos um and just other athletes too I would love that like in high school especially um as a girl growing Mm -hmm. up in high school it's very body image focused at that time in your life and then also you play a sport and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of sports I mean I didn't really feel this way with soccer necessarily but you know like for instance swimming you tend to have like broader shoulders and things like this it would be so nice to be like no you're strong and Mm -hmm. this is how we're going to continue to fuel you so you can be strong so yeah that could be really amazing absolutely yeah yeah and I mean it starts super early Mm -hmm. when some of these disordered like patterns happen around you know food and body like we are seeing diagnoses as early as age 14 Uh, like that is so really young and we know that like those 
those thoughts and behaviors start before that. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. it's not like 14, all of a sudden they start. Yeah. It's, we know that's happening before that. And so, yeah, just like really trying to get more into that preventative piece of being yeah. able to go in front of these athletes and really help educate them and, and help them understand that it's okay for there to be a variety in body sizes. Yeah. It's okay for your eating to look different than somebody else's. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's definitely a huge, huge thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could be... Aside from, obviously, once it crosses into being, like, a disordered eating situation, but, like, it can be dangerous to not get enough of the right things or get enough, period, yeah. and continue. I mean, like I mentioned, my nephew, I, like, he'll go lift and mm -hmm. go shoot basketballs and run around, and I'm like, okay, all you're going to eat today is, like, a fig bar? Like, <laughs> can you please take a protein shake? Like, something. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's so important for, mm -hmm. for young athletes, too. Okay, we're going to do something new that I've never done before. I'm going to have this one interview you. Oh my uh, gosh, so I love it. Hey, it's your turn. Now, I will preface this by saying this is the pickiest child I have ever met, okay? Um, I am not picky at all, so eating is fun for us. Yeah. So she's got some questions. You want to oh ask my some gosh. questions? Okay, here, you trade me spots. I'm going to sit over here. You can take care. I'm like nervous. <laughs> you just Whoa, take your time. Man. Okay, take your time. So, what's your first question? Um, what's your favorite vegetable? <gasps> my favorite vegetable. Oh my gosh, I would have to say probably a sweet potato. What's your favorite vegetable? Uh, or is it hard because you're picky? Do you like veggies? Lettuce. Yeah, lettuce. Lettuce counts. What do you think about chicken and waffles? Chicken and waffles? Ooh. I think I like that because you've got, like, the sweet and then the salty, you know, like that good mixture. So I would say, yeah, that's a super fun food. Yeah. Say, is it healthy? <laughs> <laughs> So I think this is a great point. So when we think about like when we're eating foods, like as a kid, right? We've got fun foods, like the chicken and waffles. Now some other fun foods, do you like chocolate? Yes. <gasps> yeah. Um, do you like candy? Yes. Yeah. So those are some examples of fun foods. Now is carrots a fun food? Not that much. <laughs> Not much, right? Yeah. So what if we think about school, okay? So you started back school, right? Yes. You're back to school. Okay, so what would you think if you had to go to school all the time? You didn't have any breaks. You were just school, school, school. How would that make you feel? It would make me feel really tired. Yeah. And I would not want to do school anymore. Yeah. And I would hate it. Exactly, that's great. Now. What if you never, ever went to school, ever, and you just stayed home? What would you think then? That I want to go to school. Yeah, exactly. So when we think about nutrient-dense foods or, like, healthy foods like carrots, and then when we think about play foods like the chicken and waffles, we have to think about it as we don't want to just always be in school, right? Or like always eating play foods. And then we don't also want to be always out of school where all we're eating is healthy or nutrient-dense foods. We want to balance, right? So a good energy 
um, promoting diet for a young kiddo includes both healthy foods and play foods. Okay, yeah, thank you so much for being here, yeah. Maddie. Um, oh, no, I have one more question. I, my okay. sister will kill me if I don't ask this. Ooh. What's the question? Stop. Okay, when we used to babysit you guys. Oh, my gosh. Back in the young Maddie <laughs> way, days. Way back in the day. Um, we used to watch Veggie Tales all the time. We did. Was that a precursor to your career choice? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I wish I could say yes because Man Veggie Tales was killing it back then. They killed it. Man Veggie Tales was a good time. Yeah, but no, unfortunately, no. But that would have been a great story. Right. That would have been a great story. Exactly. Oh my gosh, it's so funny. Yeah, my sister, I when when she found out that you were Maddie, that we used to babysit, she was like, oh my gosh, it makes sense. We watch VeggieTales all the time. I'm like, yep. That's awesome. That was great. That's so yes. great. Okay, well, thank you so much. And um, I'm sure we will partner in the future if we have the opportunity yeah. to and continue to have this conversation because it's so important. Yeah, so. absolutely. Thank yeah. you so much for having me. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll be back next week. We'll see if Aaliyah has better questions. We'll be back next week with a new interview. So until then, thanks for listening. Bye. Uh-huh. This is a first video for you features. A podcast. <laughs>